Oh, thanks for that, Don. These days, it's just easy to wake up in the morning and feel kind of fragile, you know? And I felt that way waking up this morning. And then coming here, and uh, I think just Kyle's words and being in worship, Jen's prayer, Don's words of encouragement, they strengthen us, right? That's the body of Christ at work, strengthening one another. So grateful for that. I need that. And I'm so glad that we're all here this morning getting to experience that together. My prayer is that the words that God has given me to share with all of you this morning would be words that strengthen you and encourage you. So, Lord, may it be so. Well, we've been in this sermon series um, titled Road to the Cross, Encounters with Jesus. And if you were here uh, the first week of the sermon series, Don started off by talking about road trips, right? And how road trips can be this sort of great adventure and sort of going on this road trip with Jesus. Um, Although this particular road trip, we are sort of headed towards the cross, right? So that's, you know, it's sort of a little bit sobering. And um, the reality is that road trips, um, they can be great and fun and an adventure, and sometimes they can be really difficult. Um, God brought to mind a road trip that I experienced when I was in college. This was a road trip with a group of friends um, where we hopped in the car, and the plan was to drive from L.A., where we were going to school, and drive up to one of the friends' house in Seattle, Washington. Um, About a month prior to the road trip being launched, I found out that the girl that I had had a crush on for more than a year, who was going to be on this road trip, we actually were going to road trip to her house, and I was kind of excited about that, right? And... uh, I found out that she and my best friend were starting to date. <laughs> and my best friend and the girl I had a crush on were all going to be on the road trip together. And so here I am. I mean, it was, you know, I just, well, you know, it was rough. It was a rough month leading up to the road trip. But I thought, you know what, let's just do this, you know. And uh, we get in the car. And for like 16 plus hours, I'm trapped in the car with the reality that all my hopes and dreams for my future had been crushed, right? (laughs) See, sometimes on a road trip, um, sort of the brokenness that's in us can rise to the surface, right? Where things have broken down, the pain that we might be carrying, um, we sort of can't escape it, right? And it can rise um, to the surface. Now, just, just to finish the story, the good news is, Six months later, I started dating Annalisa. So it all worked out. It all worked out great. The Lord um, knew. But, but yeah, on, often on a road trip, what is broken rises to the surface. And that's certainly true when we journey with Jesus um, to the cross. In fact, I think that's actually the point of being on this journey with Jesus to the cross, is that as we journey with him, The broken things in us, the painful things in us, there's space for those to then rise to the surface and be dealt with um, by Jesus. And we see this um, on Jesus' literal journey to the cross. On his journey towards the cross, towards Jerusalem, Jesus passes through the city of Jericho. And that's where we're going to pick up um, the passage that we're going to look at um, this morning, found in Mark chapter 10. So it's going to be up on the screen, and I'm just going to read it. You can follow along. Starting in verse 46. Then they came to Jericho. 
As Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. And throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. So I think to um, kind of grasp what's going on in this um, passage, we want to get into Bartimaeus' shoes a little bit. Um, Bartimaeus' brokenness is physical. Right? His, his eyes are broken. He's blind. They don't, they don't work. He cannot um, see. But that physical brokenness, brokenness leads to all manner of difficulty and struggle for him. It's not hard for us to imagine what a challenge it would be for someone in Bartimaeus' circumstances in Jesus' day, um, what he had to deal with. Um, we know he has a family. He's named after his father. But being a disabled person in Jesus' day and in that culture was actually a shameful thing. It brought shame on the individual and on the family. Right? It's, it's very possible that Bartimaeus' family would drop him off every day on the side of the road in order to at least have some way to produce for the family. Right? To be out there and to beg and to bring some kind of income because there's no other way that he could uh, produce um, for his family. And so it's safe to say that the brokenness in Bartimaeus' life is really affecting more than just the physical. It's the emotional and the spiritual. He's a man who's sort of trapped in poverty and in shame. It's a desperate situation. But we see in this interaction, this encounter with Jesus, that Bartimaeus' desperation leads to determination when he hears that Jesus is passing by. And we see this in three ways. The first is we see that Bartimaeus, he cries out to Jesus. Right? He shouts, Son of David, have mercy on me. He's not willing to just sit there and passively hope that Jesus maybe will notice him and stop and bring him healing. No, he's not willing to risk that. He is determined. He takes the initiative and he cries out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And then, the second thing we see with Bartimaeus is how he responds to the crowd around him because he cries out and the people around him rebuke him and tell him to be quiet. Right? Bart quiet. You're not, don't bother Jesus. This is not for you. Right? He's important. You're not. Don't make a scene. Right? They, they, they rebuke him. And their rebuke becomes this sort of barrier right, between Bartimaeus and Jesus. But Bartimaeus is determined. And so in response, he did, oh, you're right, okay, I'll be quiet. No, he cries out all the more. He shouts louder, son of David, have mercy on me. Right? He presses through. He presses through the barrier. And then the last thing that we see, Mark gives us this little detail, that when Jesus says, come, like, bring in me, right, come. It says Bartimaeus leaps up and he leaves his cloak behind. 
Now that may seem like a, just a small detail, but I think Mark is very intentional about giving us that detail. If we understand what the cloak was to Bartimaeus. It was probably his only possession. It was, the, it was the blanket that he would lay down on the ground and sit on, and as he begged, folks would, they would throw the coins on the blanket away for him to sort of gather them and collect them. So it was really kind of his source of income. Right? And it was, the, it was literally a, a, a blanket, a cloak, the thing that he would wrap himself up in at night to keep himself warm. It was the thing that made his life work. As broken and as uh, difficult as his life was, that cloak was key to him. Okay, And Bartimaeus, it says he leaps up and he leaves it behind and he runs to Jesus. That security blanket right, that he had, he leaves it behind. And he goes all in with Jesus. He's putting all his trust that I am not going to need this thing anymore if someone were to sort of take it. right? If he doesn't get healed, right, he might not even be able to find his way back to where he left it. Right? He goes all in with Jesus. I think... Um, and Jesus responds, and, he, and Bartimaeus gets healed. Now, I think this encounter is meant to give us a model of what faith looks like. See, I think oftentimes in the church, we kind of can get, have a misunderstanding of faith and the nature of faith. We think that faith equals belief, uh, something that is felt internally, right? Something where it's like, I intellectually Assent to the fact that Jesus is Lord and how strong I feel about that intellectual assent is what faith is. But I think Mark gives us a different picture of faith. Faith, according to Mark, is trust. And trust is something that can be seen externally. We see Bartimaeus trust Jesus by crying out for mercy, by shouting all the more, and by leaping up and leaving his cloak behind and coming into Jesus' presence. Bartimaeus trusts that Jesus has what he needs, and his actions reveal that. And I think that is why Jesus tells Bartimaeus, your faith has healed you. Not because Bartimaeus had a strong enough belief, because Jesus saw Bartimaeus' faith. He saw what it took for Bartimaeus to come into his presence, and Jesus recognizes that as faith. Trust that can be seen. And so Bartimaeus, and this is just the beauty of Mark's gospel and how he writes it, is rather than the blind beggar to be looked down upon, he is actually the model that Mark calls us to look up to. But I'm not sure that all of us actually want to be like Bartimaeus. And it's not because we don't have brokenness in our lives. Okay. Right? I mean, come on, let's get real. So many of us are trying to make our way through life with major places of brokenness that weigh us down. I mean, it can be physical ailments. Those are, are, are real things we deal with. But also, let's include mental struggles. Emotional pain, relational dysfunction, families that are broken, negative patterns in our behavior, addictions, and the list goes on. We have all this brokenness that's present in our lives, but we struggle to want to be like Bartimaeus because 
if we're really honest with ourselves, we prefer to avoid crying out. I don't like to cry out. I don't want to draw attention to the fact that I am in need. Or I lack sufficient trust to take the initiative to come to Jesus. With certain things, we can struggle with things. I don't know if Jesus actually has what I need. Or I don't know if I can trust him to come through for me in this area. And so we remain silent. We avoid crying out. And I think we struggle to press through. We may not have sort of a crowd around us saying, oh, be quiet. Don't cry out to Jesus. But we certainly have voices that rebuke us. Right? The Bible talks about there are three main sort of uh, enemies that um, are against us, right? The world, right? Our culture works in such a way that it tells us um, you're not broken. You don't have to be, you don't need someone else. You can take care of it yourself. In fact, you don't admit that you're broken. That's shameful, right? Our world rebukes us to press through. And we have an enemy, right? Satan's voice is, you know, speaks to us and says, Jesus doesn't have what you need. You're too broken. Right? You're a Christian. You're supposed to have it all together. Why would you admit that you're struggling? Right? We have the, and, and then we have our own flesh. Right? We have our own sort of sinful nature um, that says, no, you can handle it. Just, just manage on your own. Um, keep up your image. Don't let every, anyone else around you know what's really going on. If we're really honest with ourselves, I think oftentimes we don't want to be like Bartimaeus. We avoid crying out. We struggle to press through. And then, and then I think we can be afraid to leave behind our security blankets. Right? We can be afraid to leave behind the old to receive the new. I think when it comes to our brokenness, we often have developed ways to cope with it. Right? Something that we cling to to sort of help us manage what's difficult um, in our lives. It can be things we tell ourselves. It can be ways that we sort of go through life. Things that we sort of lean on. Um, They don't solve our problems. They don't sort of bring us healing, but they sort of help us cope. But all too often, our attempt to manage ourselves, to cling to our security blankets, it, it just keeps us on the side of the road keeps us from running into the presence of Jesus. And see, when we do that, when we avoid crying out and struggle to press through and we're afraid to leave behind, we've actually misunderstood the very nature of the gospel and one of the key purposes of the church. Because scripture reveals to us that the church, which all too often has been the place for people who want to act like they have it all together to gather and kind of like, you know, impress one another, right? That's all been all too often the role of the church throughout history. But that is not the role of the church. The church is meant to be a hospital where broken people come to get healed, right? That is what the church is meant to be. Now let's think for a minute about how hospitals work. Um, I uh, 
Many of you know that uh, Rich White has been through a sort of health episode. We had to have heart surgery, and I got a chance to go visit him um, while he was in the hospital. I think we have a picture there. Okay. Now, I was the point I was going to make is you know when you're in a hospital, you don't really care what you look like, right? That's not the point. Now. Rich is actually a very handsome man, so he's sort of working against my point, right? I think he actually looks better than I do in this picture. But, you know, go with me on this, right? Now, you know, thankfully, Rich didn't have to go up and use the bathroom while we were there. Otherwise, I might have seen something I didn't want to see, right? But in hospitals, you're not worried about that. You're not there to look good. You're not there to try to impress other people. You're not there, I mean, Rich wasn't sitting there going, you know, if I just have positive thoughts enough and maybe sort of meditate or whatever, I'm gonna, I can fix my own heart. Right? No. In a hospital, you are there because you know you are broken and you need to be healed. And when you're in the hospital, and this was true the day that I visited, all the focus is on the surgeon. Right? When is the surgeon going to come by? What is the surgeon going to say about what, how we're going to get fixed? What is the surgeon going to say what the recovery will be like? Because all of Rich's and Katrina's hope for Rich to flourish and, and live and be healthy was in the surgeon. That is exactly what he did. Now, of course, it was in Jesus as well. But Jesus, right, through the surgeon. That's how hospitals work. Right? And that's how Jesus works. Jesus says, I have come. Earlier in Mark's gospel, and I'll paraphrase this, but he says, I have come for those who know they need a physician. I have come for those who are sick. I have not come for those who think they've got it all together. Because people who think they have it all together have no need of going to the hospital. So why would you come to Jesus? That is God's purpose for the church. Right? That's what Bartimaeus experiences. He comes to Jesus and he experiences healing. But how do we do this when Jesus is no longer physically present with us? Right? Jesus isn't just going to walk by right, the side of the road and you can go into his presence. He's not physically here with us. So how do we come to Jesus? Well, guess what? That is why the church is called the body of Christ. Jesus' physical presence is found here in you and in me. And so to come to Jesus with our brokenness means we have to come to one another and actually share about what's really going on in our lives. And say, I am struggling. I am hurting. Would you help me come to Jesus? Would you pray for me? Right? Would you walk with me on this journey of healing? Right? This is why we journey with Jesus to the cross together. Because, yes, our brokenness will rise to the surface. But Jesus knows that and he is present in our midst, in the body of Christ. But what happens when your brokenness is blindness? What happens when you can't actually see what's broken inside of you? I've shared on a Sunday morning um, 
previously um, about how God's uh, journey of sort of healing me from addiction to internet pornography. Um, but I've come to understand that that brokenness, in my life, that actually was just the symptom of a deeper brokenness that God needed to get my attention about. See, when I came to faith in Jesus in college, I came from a place of really seeing my brokenness and knowing that I needed Jesus' grace and forgiveness desperately. And it was a powerful experience of coming into the kingdom of God and learning how to follow Jesus. It started from a place of brokenness for me. But somewhere along the way, as I like stepped into Christian leadership roles and as I came on... Uh, went into full-time ministry and went on staff with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship and started teaching other people about following Jesus. Somewhere along the way, I got it in my head that brokenness, that was true for the beginning, but that should not be true for, for me now. Right? As a Christian leader, I should have it all together. But the reality is, is I didn't have it all together. And as the pressures mounted and as the stress increased, as my responsibilities increased, and the problem is, when you don't think you're broken, then why would you go to Jesus? So I was not really coming to Jesus. I wasn't depending on Jesus. I wasn't, you know, bringing my knees to Jesus. And the combination, all of those things, eventually led me to act out and to find something to sort of feed my soul. And as that brokenness began to increase in me, and, I, and now for a while, I denied it. I was like, ah, I'm fine. Yeah, okay. I mean, everybody, all the guys struggle with this. Ah, I'm fine. Oh, God, okay, forgive me, but let's move on. Right? But the problem was, is I wasn't, bringing, I wasn't entering the hospital. I wasn't bringing that to the body of Christ. I was hiding it. I was keeping silent about it. Right? And then it finally broke. And I couldn't run from it anymore. And I had to face my brokenness. And so I finally, I cried out, I need help. I need help. I don't know why this is in my life, and I don't know what's going on. Jesus, would you help me? But that crying out meant I had to tell someone, right? I had to tell my wife, Annalisa. I had to tell my spiritual leaders and say, I am struggling. I had to cry out to come to Jesus. And I had to press through. There were a lot of voices that were in my head that were saying, man, you are so, this is too shameful. You're disqualified. Like, just stop even trying for God to heal you, right? Don't, you know, just, you got to figure out how to fix yourself. And I had to press through those things and keep coming um, to Jesus. And one of the ways that looked for me is um, sitting at the feet of a, a pastor friend of mine named Jen. And sitting with her and letting her ask me questions, right? And say, what's really going on? She's like, this is just the struggle. It's just the symptom. What's really going on? And as she asked me questions, we started to get to the heart of the matter. And that is deep down, I have believed this lie about myself that essentially was this, that I am a rock. That I can handle anything that life throws at me that I can fix any problem, I can solve any difficulty. Um, that's just kind of, that was my identity. Right? Everybody else, yeah, they have struggles, and I'm here to help them with their struggles, right? That's why God's called me into ministry, but I am a rock. And as that lie got exposed, that was the security blanket I had to leave behind. 
I had to leave that identity behind and say, Jesus, that is not who I am. That maybe helped me cope with difficulties in life and helped me persevere, but no longer. I'm going to leave that behind and say, Jesus, my identity is I am broken follower of you who desperately needs you. And God brought healing into my life. God had to heal of my, me of my blindness to heal my brokenness. There are many of us that are here this morning and you're like, oh man, I know my brokenness. Right? And that's great. I'm like, you're in the right place. But there may be some of us here this morning that are like, I, I don't know. Life feels pretty good. And I would... If that's you, I, I want to make you a little uncomfortable and just say, maybe you were like me. And there's actually some blindness that's keeping you from seeing the deeper places of brokenness that Jesus wants to heal. Don mentioned that uh, this past Sunday evening we gathered um, to have this time of coming in God's presence and to worship and to listen um, for God's direction. How does God want to bring renewal in our lives and the lives of the church and one of the questions that we, we sort of asked of the Lord and we listened for was, God, would you show us what some of the barriers or spiritual strongholds that might be present in our church that you want to draw our attention to? Essentially, we were saying, God, heal of, us, of, us, of any blindness that we might have. Show us. Help us see what we need to bring to you. And um, folks listened, and then they wrote out what they sensed or heard on cards, and we collected all those, and there was a lot of different things, and I won't go over all of it, but there were some real themes that emerged. Things that got repeated multiple times were people hearing some of the same things, and it was things like um, the barrier of being too comfortable as a church, the barrier of um, a lack of faith and trust in God, the barrier of pride. These are all barriers that... Um, really can inhibit the work of God, right, in a place. But they're not barriers that are sort of ethereal and sort of out there that we have to sort of pray God to break through. Those are all barriers that reside in here, in each one of us, right? Where have I gotten too comfortable? Where am I struggling to have faith and trust in God? Where has, is pride keeping me from coming into the presence of Jesus with my need? I love that we're in this season of fasting and prayer. Boy, fasting is a really great tool of the Holy Spirit to expose our brokenness. Well, I just want to end this morning by leading us into a time of prayer. And then um, after that, um, we'll, worship, um, we'll worship some more and come into God's presence in a deeper way. Would you just uh, join me in prayer? Just close your eyes. <clears throat> Jesus, would you help us to be the kind of people that cry out to you, that face our brokenness and rather than being content with it, Jesus, that we become determined to come to you for healing. Jesus, would you help us to press through? Press through the voices of this world 
and the enemy and our own thoughts that would hinder us from coming to you. Jesus, would you help us to leave behind those things that we have clinged to, to cope, to find meaning, to find help that aren't you. Help us to leave those behind that we could come more fully into your presence and receive the healing that only you can bring. And Jesus, would you help us to become the church that more and more looks like a hospital where broken people come to get healed. If you're sitting here, just to sustain prayer, if you're sitting here this morning and you know, yep, there is some brokenness that Jesus is getting my attention around. I need more of God's healing in my life. If that's you, I'm just going to ask, as our eyes are closed, would you just slip your hand up as a way to communicate between you and the Lord? Lord, you know that's me. To take that initiative with him and say, Jesus, I'm not okay sitting here anymore and not dealing with this. Lord, that's me. Yeah, lots of hands going up. Praise Jesus. And if there's anyone here that's resonating with the do I have some spiritual blindness? And you want to pray the bold and courageous prayer, Lord, give me eyes to see what I don't see. If you want to take that risk of faith this morning and say, Lord, that's my prayer this morning, I want to encourage you to do that. And you go ahead and raise your hand just as a way of saying, God, give me eyes to see. All right, lots of hands going up. Praise Jesus. As we enter into worship, I just invite us to rest with those questions, keep interacting with the Lord. I just sense the Holy Spirit is drawing us more deeply into His presence. And Bartimaeus had it right. He knew that Jesus had mercy to give him, that we follow a God of mercy that his grace and his mercy is abundant. So let's worship our God together and continue to receive his mercy and grace.